0: Welcome to another edition of the Boiler Basketball Show, the very highly rated, very listened to Boiler Basketball Show here on 1017theHammer, 1017theHammer.com. I say that because I keep on looking at the numbers, uh, Jeff. Apparently people want to talk about this basketball team at Big Ten basketball. Go figure. I, I don't know why. Uh, I couldn't imagine <laughs> it either, and I couldn't imagine why this episode could obviously be popular, you know, with the uh, game coming up here on Saturday. Really, you know what, Can can I... Kinda of throw a little curveball just early on here, okay? Sure. Before we get to talking Put about that game deuce. on Saturday, how about Katie Geraldson and Company and that squad hosting wow. the Boilers on Sunday? Sold out in Mackey Arena. Fantastic. Oh my! Two road, two big road wins against ranked opponents. They go out to Value City Arena, beat Take the Buckeyes, the but they Buckeyes. just yep. it never works out uh, out there for them lately. But they go out there and they and they pick up the W. So just something about that team. Um and I will be I, I will be a Katie Gerald's defender until the day I die. I absolutely love her. Her energy is absolutely infectious. Uh she just brings something different, man. Uh if you haven't been around to experience it, you gotta get out there and go see them. But sold out Mac Ureen on Sunday for that game against IU. How about that? That's awesome. Absolutely yeah. incredible. And that'll be a tough one there, too. So if you got a ticket, uh, hats off to you. Uh that should be a fun one. So shout out to the women's basketball team. Uh they're all uh they're all amazing I even got to talked to Abby Ellis earlier this week. He did, and, yes. yeah, she's Heard fantastic. That Great job. Absolutely fantastic. So we got this game coming up here tomorrow, right? It's uh, Purdue, it's Indiana, it's the uh big rivalry here, and the only sport that seems to matter in this state uh, it is hoops, baby. Let's go. Uh a matchup of two of the best big men in the conference, the two best big men in the conference, sorry Hunter Dickinson, Uh, it'll be uh, Trace Jackson-Davis and Zach Eady going up against each other, although I don't know that we expect either one of them to really guard each other, right? That's not normally what happens in in this matchup, it's usually the four guys each get that assignment, so uh, nobody seems to get in too much foul trouble. That's how it's gone the last couple of years, right? Yeah, absolutely, and, and, and Purdue's
1: going to play their game, and, and what they do is they double. And, you know, Matt brought this up earlier in the year when they played Ohio State that Ohio State started doubling against Zach Eady, and they were not real good with their rotations because if a team doesn't do it on a regular basis, it's not something you're used to. Well, Purdue is used to it, and, you know, Purdue has done an incredible job of of, of taking the ball out of, of players' hands that they don't want to have the basketball. And I don't know if you saw that new twist that they were doing the other night, but they were taking Zach Eady and putting him on doubling on a guard, and boy, I tell you what, that is a tough matchup when you've got a seven foot four guy guarding uh, doubling down, doubling a guard, and he has to get rid of the basketball. So Purdue's got to play their game. It's going to be up to IU to try to crack that code. And so far, uh, you know, very few teams have been able to have success against the Boilermakers.
0: Yeah, Boilermakers continue to roll here. Another great win. Uh, at home against Micah Shrewsbury and uh, Penn State, uh, eighty to uh, sixty. Mason Gillis with nine threes. My goodness, where did that come from? We know he's been a a, a decent three point shooter throughout his career. I mean, he's he's like low forties, right? I think yeah, now he's, he's tied to, for the percentage lead on the team. Yeah, he's
1: up to forty three percent Big Ten play for the for the Boilermakers, and you knew that was going to happen at some point. I don't think anybody anticipated nine. But, you know, Long he is too times? good of a shooter, maybe three, four, you would expect. But, you know, he just got on a roll and Purdue found him and he was uh, draining uh, uh, threes from all over the court. You're so glad to see that young man. You know, he had a lot of, um, you know, a lot of issues coming out of high school. You know, he tore what tore the uh, ACL and had to rebuild the knee and go through all that. And then, uh, you know, he's had some setbacks. And for him to have that kind of success offensively was uh, just very gratifying to see
0: yeah it came at the expense of some Caleb first minutes in that game but obviously Caleb gonna be like yeah no put him in yeah. he's knocking down uh-huh. the threes and really what I thought was going to happen to that game was I said um, in my preview look it's Zach Eady getting the ball on the inside and then Penn State decides what happens are they going to bring a second guy over maybe even a third and then he kicks it out to Fletcher lawyer Braden Smith and they have great games or does Zach, you know, just go ahead with the one-on-one like they did last time and absolutely dominate him? Well, we got the answer, but instead of it being a big Fletcher lawyer night, it was a Mason Gillis night. He was the guy that got cut loose, and uh, that uh, that was a mistake. Yeah. Uh, that was a big, big mistake. You know, Micah Shrewsbury in his uh, post-game with his very brief comment. You know, best team, best coach, best player in the country. Uh stark contrast from Kevin Willard, who's still big mad, big mad, uh, after uh, losing that game uh, to Purdue, uh, calling Trace Jackson Davis the most dominant player in the country um, and, and over Zach Eadie, specifically name-calling Zach Eadie. Uh, I would like to think he was just trying to get his team hyped up for that game, but I feel like I know better.
1: Yeah, I think you're right, and I think that, uh, you know, he... Uh... Very upset with the fact that they weren't able to beat Purdue here, and uh, you know that carried over. And he was pulling, you know, pulling a uh, Bill Belichick where you, you know, you talk about how great the opposing player is. But you know, I want to go back to one point you made earlier about about Caleb First and and Mason Gillis. When the team breaks their huddle to start the game first always gets a hug from mason gillis about and and a pat on the back like let's go so, you know they those two are sharing minutes at that four position and they want both to do extremely well and that's why this team is where they're at right now is because there's no eye in team uh, with this with this group of kids and, and you're seeing it all over the court and it's absolutely incredible
0: yeah they're doing a great job here with that i you know I was texting with you and I mentioned this a little bit yesterday I, I do feel like there is one guy that's Kind of left behind here a little bit and kind of struggling to find a role that what's being asked of him might go against his DNA a little bit. And that's Brandon Newman, who I love as a player. Tremendous score. um, But, you know, coming off the bench, there were a couple instances in that game uh, against Penn State where... You know, he took that first pass, took a, a three-pointer from like, you know, four feet from behind that arc, and it goes right off the rim, and it felt like a real heat-check move. That That's not what, you know, Matt Painter's ask. I think, need, I that's not what the team needs of him, and I think he's struggling to get into that new role, and if you look at the last four games, I mean, he's gone from getting like, you know, 16, 18 minutes a game to down to around 10 minutes a game. It It's gotten eaten up. Um, more Ethan Morton time out there, more, you know, Fletcher Lawyer time out there. And uh, I I really felt like he was trying to force something into getting a little bit more playing time. And I feel for him. I I would want more playing time, too. I mean, that is a tough thing to fight against when you're coming off the bench, when you don't get a lot, but you want to play more and contribute more, and you're looking for that knack. It just... It's not seeming to click for him right now, and it really did click for him through December. Remember, we weren't shooting the ball well from three, and he came in and had some great games where he really put up some great points off the bench when the bench wasn't scoring. Uh, but it just seems like the last four or five, you know, he's not hitting shots. I don't know. That he's necessarily taking some great shots in in, in that spread. You know, he's only taking about three or four, and I'd say like half of them. I'm kind of shaking my head. I'm like, you know, that's not the look, right? Am yeah. I crazy here? Uh, no, but I, I will
1: say this. I mean, don't forget, it was just a couple games ago that he had the two uh, free throws to seal that game against yeah, Michigan. Yeah, yeah. And he is in the the game when they need defense. And he his role is to come in for Ethan Morton in many cases. Because Ethan Morton has been absolutely incredible on the defensive end of, of the of the court. And he comes in and gives you those big minutes. And, you know, it, I not that he feels this way, but it's almost... I almost compare him to to an Indiana basketball fan, and Indiana basketball fans are like, "This was supposed to be our year in the state of Indiana, and by gosh, look what Purdue has done to us!" And I think, I think he probably thought he would get more playing time, and all of a sudden, the freshman really came on, and and Fletcher Lawyer's been fantastic. He has taken up so much of the opposing team's game plan that that. Mr. Newman is is not getting nearly as many minutes as he would like, but you know he still has a great attitude. He still goes out there and plays. And
0: well, I mean and, the message boards were all ready to to sit lawyer yeah, and, and yeah. even get him more time because he was the you know the scorer and stuff. Exactly. And, so and uh, that's not where we're at right now. I'm not saying this is anything can't be remedied. I'm I'm not saying there's anything nefarious and he's just not playing by the rules or anything like that. I'm just saying that. That that was my observation, specifically in that game, where I feel like he's, you know, he's got that scores mentality in, in, in that DNA. Um, and uh, that's, I don't know, that's necessarily the role that he needs to come in and play right now. And it's hard to fight against, you know, your own tendencies sometimes. And, and maybe that's what's going on there. I don't know, maybe I'm overthinking it. Maybe I'm just, you know, it's a few games and, and I'm throwing too much at it. But uh, I, I don't know. It just... Uh, that that's kind of what I noticed there over the last couple of games. That that that's just me. Maybe I'm making too much of it.
1: Yeah, you know, but I tell you what, he's uh, still a very potent uh shooter and you never know. I mean He can maybe, be Maybe tomorrow's the day where he has a, a bunch of three pointers. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I'm bella checking
0: him. Do you think about
1: that? Maybe I'm bella checking him. I tell you what, the one thing I do like about the pre matchup is the fact that we have so many kids from the state of Indiana. And I just think that is so important when you get in this rivalry situation where you know this game is huge to Fletcher Lawyer and Smith and to Trey Kaufman Rand and you know and Lawyer and to Andembray and you know I mean I just think this is a a group of kids from Indiana and and Demar means a lot to them and that's always important in this rivalry.
0: Yeah, it's a shame Indiana doesn't have a few more of those kids you know because they're such a national brand. They, they are. Don't need yeah. They don't need to get Mr. Basketball or. Mr. Basketball Runner-Up no, or the next Mr. No, basketball no. or the next Mr. Basketball and Basketball Runner-Up or the Gatorade Player of the Year. They don't need that stuff, no. you know. It's it's working out tremendously well for him too. Oh, uh, gosh, the denials. <laughs> so we got to take a break here. Don't go anywhere. We're going to come back. Alan Carp at GoldenBlack.com. Our guest next. Stick around. We've got plenty more Boiler Basketball show. Next on 1017, the Hammer, 1017. <laughs> Welcome back. This is the Boiler Basketball Show, 101.7 The Hammer, 101.7TheHammer.com with Jared Jessel. Jeff Julik over there. And to the Blue Fox Heating Cooling Hammerhead Hotline, we go Alan Karpik of GoldandBlack.com is with us. Um, it's a tremendous site for every Purdue fan. Subscriptions, I feel 100 percent worth it. Uh, they do have great free content, but you get access to guys like Mike Carmen. You get access to guys like Tom Deanhart, Allen there, uh, Brian Newbert when he makes his triumphant return, which we're all pulling for. Uh, it's just it's such a tremendous site there. What do you what are you looking at me like that for? Because Jeff?
1: today, uh, you know, this week he brought in Coach Woods, and I just really enjoyed his breakdown of the uh, Penn State game, and looking forward to the uh, to the Indiana game. So. Great addition there, I have to add.
2: Yeah, I you know, it's nice to have uh Dave as Dave Wood of course had what twenty seven years at West Side and, and obviously coached on Purdue's staff and, and you guys know this uh, excellent analyst and uh, kind of gets and he goes to a lot of practices, so he's pretty Pretty t- tuned into what's going on, and we're going to do that uh, as we pinch it for Brian here over the next couple weeks.
1: He's, nice.
0: He's the best. I absolutely love it. I can still hear him clapping and shouting someplace like in Case Arena right now, and I haven't actually done, <laughs> done a game in like forever. So uh, God bless that man. I love Dave Wood. He is the best, uh, so make sure you check that stuff out. Al, all right, let's get into it here. Uh, there's a little bit of a, a basketball game Saturday down there in Bloomington um it is it's it's the rivalry here uh and i know you've got a lot of uh, fond memories i know you got probably a few that make you gag a little bit as a purdue fan but when i say purdue iu what, what are the things that come to mind for you first and foremost
2: well one thing is and i and i know my day as a fan and and uh and observer and a basketball manager i think i'm oh nine in assembly hall so i haven't been back there since 2000 so that's been good for purdue good choice if you believe, good if you believe any of that up, and you believe it, and, and all sports fans do, we're, we're all, many sports fans, I should say, we're all uh, superstitious as heck, and uh, the good thing for Purdue uh, is that during the run of, of success in Assembly halls, with the exception of last year, Purdue has been extremely good there, uh, but it's because I haven't been there, but no, it it's, uh, <laughs> it, it, it is, um, you know, it's just, it's the greatest rivalry, uh, you know, I know Duke, North Carolina is is all well and good and it's a big deal. And, and certainly when those two teams uh, play in the final four, like they did last year, uh, it's huge. But if this, if that's one, a, this is one B. And the reason why, in my view, is because you're playing in front of uh, 15,000 or t- well, tomorrow, uh, it'll be 17 or eighteen, seventeen thousand 17,000 assembly hall. And, and, the, and it, it's a whole level of intensity in, in terms of the, the way that the crowd reacts to it. Uh, it's every possession. And I know that North Carolina and Duke, but Duke you know, it's a 6,000 seat, uh, Cameron indoor stadium, great facility, but it's, and I know that North Carolina can have 20 or 18,000 or whatever, how big it is, but it's just not the same uh, in my view, in the intensity. And I think that that's what makes this, uh, such a, such a great game and what I'm sure, uh, that Saturday's game will come down to the last couple of minutes, It seems always in in these types of games, especially when Purdue's a favorite down there. uh, And I think that that's going to be the storyline we'll be watching.
1: And, Alan, how do you anticipate both teams defending their stars? You know, Purdue defending Davis and and IU trying to defend Zach Eadie. So, I mean, how do you anticipate? Who do you think will match up on those players? And uh, how important will that be to the game?
2: Well, it's going to be huge. I mean, Trace, you're talking about two probably. Probably two first team All Americans. I'm con- there's no doubt that Zach is gonna be a first team All American, and I think Trace Jackson Davis has a chance to be. Depends how the Hoosiers uh, end up, etc., and how he plays down the stretch. And uh, but you know, I, I don't know, I think that uh, Purdue will not probably vary from that painter doesn't tend to vary from much of anything he kind of goes with what works and Purdue's had some success against Jackson Davis of course he got in foul trouble last year in a game in Bloomington I think he was missed most of the first half only had only a, he had two fouls early and had to sit uh, but I expect Purdue will double team does that mean Caleb first they'll be running around with him a little bit more and you're going to kind of have zach Edy uh evoke his canadian uh heritage and be the hockey goalie again which is kind of what he does a lot of times so he has been so good in my view uh especially against penn state he's much more mobile i'm talking about zach edie than than he used to be but uh it, it's going to be interesting trace jackson davis doesn't do a lot uh from t- any more than any deeper than 12 feet from the basket so uh, I think it, I think that it gives Edie a chance to go head to head with him. but I, I expect some double teams, and it's going. I think it's Indiana's problem of how they're going to deal with Edie, and I don't know if he, if you want to waste fouls uh, with uh, with uh, Trace Jackson Davis trying to check Edie and, and, uh, on it on the offensive end. Going to be a chess match and be an interesting thing that Mike Woodson and Matt Painter have to figure out.
0: Talk with Alan Carpick here on the uh, Hammerhead Hotline, uh, Alan. Then. Who is the pressure on the most here? Is it on the Hoosiers, or is it more on the Boilermakers?
2: You know, I think it's because the players don't really care what, I mean, they do care what Purdue fans think. It's Purdue fans and Indiana fans. You know, it's just—it's—it's the the juice of the rivalry in that uh, nobody wants to lose this game. Nobody wants to give up any level of bragging rights if you're a Purdue fan. You don't want Indiana, even though Purdue's going to win the Big Ten, even if it loses tomorrow 97 times out of 100, you don't want to be able to Go to the water cooler if you're working in Indianapolis or in Lafayette. And you got an IU fan next to you. You don't want to go say, "Well, you might win the Big Ten, but we're better than you, or we beat you." So it's more pressure on the fans. I don't think there's a lot of pressure on Purdue. I I, I just think that that um, that may really play to the Boilermakers' advantage. They played that way on the road all year, uh, for you know, in terms of games. You know, there's not going to be any more pressure-filled environment than what we witnessed in uh, in terms of fan intensity and what we saw or heard uh, at the Palestra. And I was at that game and it was pretty dang intense. And, and Assembly Hall is that way. I've been there, like I said, through those nine losses. And it, it is extremely intense. But I don't think that phases Purdue at all. And I think really, maybe, arguably, the pressure might be a little bit more on the home team if Purdue can establish itself early. Uh, I think the Hoosiers are the ones that uh, really think that they'd like to win the game. Even though, Indiana's going to make the NCAA tournament, whether they win this game or not. Uh, I think that uh, Indiana could really help the NCAA tournament to uh, resonate by a win over Purdue.
1: And I would agree with that point because, you know, IU, setting at 15-7, uh, and 6-5 and 5 in the conference. They also have to host Rutgers coming up, which will be a very difficult game, and then oh they yeah, go no on question. a brutal road trip. So, you know, they could easily be staring at another uh, five-game losing streak uh, uh, if they lose that game tomorrow
2: yeah i mean uh, it, it is and 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 that also lays the pressure on and the fact that if you're Indiana right now, you've got some doubt on how you play now you don't have a lot of doubt on how you play at home, though Northwestern went in and beat them uh in a shocker. I know that the, the Hoosiers were trying to get get used to the injuries to race thompson and to and to Xavier Johnson at that point in time, but my point is is that uh that makes it tough, and that's where you i think you you know it's so nutty we've been saying this all year. Uh, with Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith, and there, and you say, well, wait, they're freshmen. They're going into semi the semihelp. They don't care. Uh, they're going to be, they're, they're, they're like juniors. I think they relish that opportunity and how, I don't know if it's ironic, but it's, it certainly is, uh, bizarre in some ways that, uh, these guys, I expect to play with complete metal tomorrow, uh, in that game. And, and, and again, that leads you to believe that the pressure could be on Indiana a little bit. And yes, Robert Fennessy is at Cincinnati, so he's not going to come in and, and score 17 points or whatever he did and have a career day against them. But Indiana has plenty of talent and is fully capable of beating Purdue if it makes shots uh, and gets uh, gets the, the the proverbial train rolling. Uh, they'll be all Purdue can handle.
0: We're talking with uh, Alan Karpik here on our Hammerhead Hotline. All right, Al, here's a tough one that... I thought, I thought the answer was this was just that it's a regional thing. It's centralized in the conference, but getting out of town last weekend and and wearing Purdue gear and having people, uh, you know, want to discuss Purdue basketball with me, uh, I found out that it's not just a regional thing. Why do people hate Zach Eadie? I, I I don't I don't understand it. I mean, he's not. It's not like he's got a punchable face. It's not like he's Grayson Allen out there hurting people. It's not like that he's out here flexing on uh, on kids and dunking on them and stuff and and letting them know about it. He seems like a genuinely nice kid, um, and and yet I, I it seems like everywhere I go, uh, I mean, there's people on the internet talking about I- encouraging bench players to hurt him, and that they would be legend. I mean, I, the, the level of hate for a guy that I don't feel like deserves it in any way, shape, or form is just becoming outstanding to me. Why do these people just... All this, I mean, even Willard, you know, Willard took that backhanded shot, uh, calling Trace Jackson Davis the best player o- over Zach Eady. And I know he's still big mad because they lost, but I mean, gee whiz, I feel like this kid gets a, a large amount of hate that is completely unwarranted.
2: Well, uh, there might be three words people are idiots. I think that's part of it. I also think in the world, wonderful world of social media, and we're hypocrites that so we play in that game a fair amount, but uh, we try hard at Golden Black not to not to throw a caca around, so to speak, and 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 that is <laughs> that is it. I mean, I, you know, if you don't like if you don't like the Zach Eadie story, you don't like sports, and that is. I don't care who you are. Um, this is a kid that has worked his way from uh, from nothing as a basketball player. I mean, obviously, he's got a great home environment with his mom and, and support and. Et cetera, and uh, that has been a been a big story. but this is a guy that is self-made. I think it really has Jared has as much to do with the fact that he, he is seven four, and there's a certain level of un- perceived unfairness. in other words, that it, it's not fair what he can do. well he, he, he can't help he's seven foot four that he's learned how to catch the ball as well as any six ten guy. He's got foot, footwork around the basket that's uh, been vastly improved over the last two years. And he just worked at it, so I think that's part of it. Uh, I, I think it's it's really sad if anybody's threatening injury, and uh, because uh, but you, you get that in the world wide web these days, any day. And and yet, uh, uh, if you like basketball and you like great sports stories, you got one in Zach Eadie because he is just that. He is a leader uh, from a seven foot four position. You watch him in interviews or see how he handles himself. Um, he never draws, very rarely draws attention to stuff. He reacts to good plays uh, made uh, on the court, which he should. But he never shows up an opponent, um, and, uh, and and that's what I like about this entire team. Really, they don't do that. They don't. They don't uh, grandstand. M- Mason Gillis might make nine three pointers against Penn State, but he's not shaking his hand or, or, or shaking his finger at the Penn State bench. Uh, he's just playing. And I, I, that's what I really like probably the most about this team. And, and uh, it's kind of sad if that's the case about Zach Eadie because he's a terrific national, international sports story. And, well said, uh, Alan. And like well it. said.
0: He's yeah. intergalactic, baby. Let's go. He's all <laughs> yeah, over I mean, the he
2: place. Just, he just is. And, and I don't care where he's You know, you can argue, well, he's only—you know, he gets fouled every play. Are you watching the game? No. He does not get, he does get fouled on every play. He doesn't follow and uh, he gets beat up and just keeps his mouth shut, keeps playing, and and I think that's a tremendous. And that's without the Purdue blinders on. He's just a credit to to competition in college sports uh, in terms of what he has done to develop himself as a basketball player and really as a leader. I I think that's another thing that that doesn't always get talked about. He is a leader of this basketball team in many, many ways, Uh, and that is rare for a guy that is, that is uh uh seven foot four and stands out everywhere
0: he goes. Izzo went from they don't call fouls on him to guy they won't even call three seconds on him. Yeah. I'm, I'm telling you right now, by the end of the, by the time we hit March, Alan, it's gonna be. Uh, I heard he's not even really Canadian. Did he even <laughs> play hockey? <laughs> I think those pictures yeah. are doctored. I mean, it's just it, it's anything and it's just it's getting ridiculous. Alan Carpik, GoldenBlack.com. Again, it is the place to go if you are a Purdue fan. Pick up a subscription today, Alan. It's always a pleasure talking hoops with you on a Friday, buddy. Enjoy your weekend. All
2: right, sounds good.
0: Welcome back, Boiler Basketball Show on 1017TheHammer and 1017TheHammer.com. I'm Jared Jessel, got Jeff Julek over there. Uh, Nate Barrett uh, on assignment, Uh, so uh, we'll uh, catch up with him again uh, next week, but uh, he sends his regards.
1: Any truth to the fact that he uh, drank too much hot chocolate the other day during the uh, hot chocolate (laughs) day they had? Uh,
0: I can neither confirm nor deny such rumors (laughs) about Nate Barrett. Uh, but we'll have him on back uh, again next week, uh, at, Jeff. Let's go ahead and take a look at the uh, Big Ten here, as we've, you know, all circled the halfway mark here. Twenty conference games, and uh, everybody is now uh, over. Uh, that uh, 10-game spot here. So let's kind of take a look at where we're at with Purdue sitting at top of the conference at 11-1. and I believe a handsome gentleman almost a month ago told you that we would hit February and Purdue would be uh, a three-game favorite in the Big Ten. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jeff. I I I got that wrong. Uh, (laughs) It's three-and-a-half games. Uh, Hey, that's close enough. Yeah, close enough there. So, yeah, you got that between Illinois and Rutgers at at three-and-a-half Northwestern at four and a half, Maryland at four and a half, Indiana at uh, four and a half, Iowa at four and a half, Michigan State at four and a half, Michigan at four and a half. uh, It's absolutely crazy that you have, uh, you know, positions two through, what is that, eight are uh, within a game of each other. That's just. uh, And what do you
1: have? Six teams at six and five and two teams at five and six as well.
0: Which kind of begs the question here now, Jeff is. how many games? What what do you feel like Purdue's magic number is to close this out? So they're they have eight games remaining with um, you know uh, a three and a half game lead. So how many do you have to put on Purdue to go ahead and ice? Well, the, uh the Big Ten championship here, I, I kind of circled a date here because I felt like it was poetic, but I want to hear what you have to say. Well, I tell you what, I, I think, you know, with the way
1: the Boilermakers are playing and everything seems to be breaking their way, you know, and for example, you know, we've got we've got Rutgers taking on Michigan State this weekend at Madison Square Garden. And if Michigan State wins that one, well, down goes Rutgers, another pick. Until I see otherwise, I think the Boilermakers just continue to march forward, and, and I would anticipate them clinching this game. And I know this is probably what you had circled, but I think they'll clinch this game at Maryland. I mean, they're either going to clinch it at Maryland or they're going to clinch it when they come home to High State. So, uh, you know, if they continue to win, you know, they're going to wrap this up really, really early, which is just unheard of in the Big Ten Conference. You have to go all the way back to that, that great High State team, what, in what, 2010, to start out 24-0 and before anybody uh, – you know, we were able to clinch the Big Ten that early.
0: I would. I was really hoping that it would wait until the twenty fifth. You, you know, want the IU, have, game, have huh? the IU game? Have the IU game. Here's the yeah. I, that would have been really really nice, but uh, there's th- that would mean you would win it, and you could win it at Ohio State, I guess, and then maybe have some you know something else has one of the domino has to fall, and then you're getting it on the uh, you know at uh, home against Indiana, regardless. Um, but, It'll be uh, interesting
1: to see how Purdue handles that because uh, many, many years ago, in 1998, Michigan State had the Big Ten Championship won, and uh, that was a great Purdue team, and they unveiled the banner before the Boilermakers played them, and Purdue beat them, and it was like 101-98. It was an incredible game, and uh, the Boilermakers uh, spoiled their Big Ten Championship celebration. So I'll, I'll be anxious to see how Coach Painter handles the Big Ten celebration if they clinch it that early in the season.
0: So, what should the magic number be here? you know it's, it's Illinois and Rutgers really that you got to worry about again, uh, you've got 12 games play, which means you have eight left, and uh, there's you know two teams at three and a half because they've only played 11 games. You've played 12. So let's just make it easier. Let's say Illinois and Rutgers both get their next wins. It's a three game we're talking to three game lead with eight to play.
1: Yeah, I mean, from a realist standpoint, if, if Purdue wins tomorrow and beats Iowa. I mean, they are in such great shape that it's unbelievable. And then you've got two tough road games with, with Maryland and, and, and uh, Northwestern, both tough games. But, you know, right now, Purdue hasn't shown any sign of letting up. They actually seem to be getting better and better. And, you know, if, if there was ever a trap game, it was the other night. I mean, Penn State was coming in. You handled them on the road. They come in, and what does Purdue do? They beat them by 20 points. They They just basically destroyed Penn State's will. And, you know... I think it it's just one of those things that producers go to clinch it when they clinch it because of the fact that uh they keep winning and and other teams lose, and so that that's uh one of those things where the boilermakers are going to win this and they're going to win it early, and who knows when they'll they'll win it because it just depends on how many games the teams behind them lose and because
0: they're going to lose. I mean Rutgers I, could lose this weekend I, I think Illinois is the tough one uh yeah. you know Rutgers with their remaining schedule. Uh, You know, Michigan State, they have to go into Assembly Hall. They do have to take on Illinois. Um, They still have to go out to Penn State. Um, they I I think they've got some tough ones, and they're not great on the road. Uh, no, and, had some I completely forgot they played Madison Square Guard for my media mania pick. So now yeah. I feel like a jerk for not taking Michigan State. But, <laughs> uh, you know, when, when I'm right, uh, when I'm you know right, well, I'll be right. You know, that's the well, way we've done it. very well there. But, but you know, and you look, look at, at, but look at what Illinois has left. Yeah, you know, they've right? got to play Rutgers. Okay, okay, yeah, um, but they
1: get that at home. They right? got to go to Penn State. Yeah, gotta to be tough. Yeah, they got to go to Indiana. Yeah, tough. They got Northwestern, which but is that's at home.
0: That'll be fine. They got Michigan at home. And in
1: Ohio State, those games don't concern me, and then they gotta go to Purdue. So, you know, there they are probably two, three losses on that Illinois schedule as well. So I mean, you know, and obviously there's gonna be one loss between the two teams in second when Rutgers plays Illinois. So like I say, Boilermakers just keep winning, uh this thing's gonna come to them and come to them fairly quickly.
0: But Lord Lord forbid a worst case scenario happens. I, I do not wanna be playing against Illinois at home. For the Big Ten Championship. I mean, that's a nightmare scenario right there. And now even, wait a minute. Look, even what? if you got to, even if you got that, I'm not saying it's going to happen because I don't think it's going to happen. But I'm just saying that, like, what? An, that would be the absolute nightmare scenario. That is, that's having the the 30 point lead at the half, and then watching this team go all the way back into over, you know, and, and getting it for overtime. And you know what's going to happen in overtime? The team that just came racing back, they're always the ones that tend to win. And it doesn't matter what sport it is. They've got all the momentum because they took the foot off the gas. I don't think that's going to happen with us, Purdue. Team, but that's uh, that's the absolute nightmare scenario. Now, now, here. Jared,
1: one of my greatest memories of Purdue, uh, nineteen ninety two, and I go back and forth between between Glenn Robinson and Zach Eady because you could argue that Zach may be a little bit more dominant than Glenn was. But Boilermakers had to beat Illinois, and Glenn Robinson goes for forty nine points on the last game of the season. Uh, very reminiscent. I don't think it's going to come down to that, but uh, how ironic would it be if uh, Zach goes for fifty? Uh, against Illinois uh in the last game of the season to win a Big Ten championship. But uh we'll see. But I just don't think Illinois, Illinois is too inconsistent. Uh, I mean they can Yeah, I'm with it too. They but can lose to just... Ohio State, you know. They, but you gotta just... look at
0: who who is the candidate here yeah, to catch and, and they you. are a candidate, no and, doubt about that. And they're probably I, I still think that they're probably the best candidate uh before I start going into all the six and five teams. Um and I don't know if there's any of the six and five teams that are going to catch because I think you're you're you just need too much Purdue losing. For that to happen so it's got to rest on Illinois and Rutgers but I honestly think when we come back and do the show in two weeks on the 17th we're already talking about the Boilermakers with the Big Ten Championship we could, I, I'm we with could. you there we could I, I think that's where it is they'll be coming off that uh, game at Maryland um, and uh, if they can win in Bloomington tomorrow you get Iowa at home um, which will be an absolute shootout and be fun to watch you go up to Welsh Ryan uh, you match up way too good with them Right there, we've got three straight wins that puts you at uh, fourteen and one. There's five games left. With you know, at best case for anybody else, Illinois and Rutgers, you're still three games behind. It's 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 over. It's over at that point. If it's not already officially mathematically happened, I think when we're talking on the 17th, I think that's the. Uh, I think you're right. I think that's the magic day right there. It can happen could very much happen. I'm keeping my fingers crossed that it does happen because I believe when we went through this, we said, ah, remember, uh, it's going to be a tough Big Ten conference this year. If you want to win it, you know, uh, maybe uh, three losses, uh, four losses might be too much here this year. You know, we were right about one thing, but we thought this was going to be a tough head-to-toe matchup for the uh, Big Ten championship. We just didn't realize Uh, What we really meant was it was going to be a tough head-to-toe matchup for the second seed in the Big Ten (laughs) Tournament. And we say a lot of crazy things on this
1: show. I remember us talking about the PK challenge and how we said, well, you know, if Purdue could go 1-2 and and get into that – just win that first game, so they end up with a good opponent on that last day. That that might be a good trip for them. And instead, voila, three and 0 uh, and blowing out Gonzaga and Duke, and uh, that that just set the stage this team, for the season. This, is,
0: this team's the Spanish Inquisition. They are. We didn't expect the Spanish it. Inquisition, right? Nobody you so Yeah, they've they've come out of nowhere. You continue to love, but you know the rest of this Big Ten. I where were the challengers at? you know we we, we thought this was going to be pretty tough, and I look I still I'm in the camp of this is still a tough conference, even though they've beaten the absolute uh, hell out of each other uh throughout the season. I still think that look for all of its loss, I still think Illinois's got some potential. you know Rutgers does play good defense northwestern um can play good defense and can score, but and Boy, Penn State, uh, they, they lose. Uh, they lose the inside matchups there. Yep. Now Maryland is a very physical team that can play with just about anybody. Indiana, uh, when it's at full power, can play with the, a lot of the best teams in the country. You know Iowa can score at will; they just can't play defense. But that's an elite scoring team there. Michigan State, you know, has some pieces that can cause you problems. Michigan is a team that plays basketball in this conference. Penn State's a you know a team that just knocks down threes all over the place and can shoot you out of the gym, even if they can't win a rebounding battle. I, I go through all these teams here and I say, hey, these are good I, teams. I feel like they're, they're they're good teams, they're tournament yeah. teams. But uh, unfortunately, you're going to look at uh, some of these conference uh, records and go, uh, I don't know about these guys being <laughs> tournament teams. And you know, we'll we'll get to that once we get to the end of the month, but. Uh, I still think this has been a heck of well, a Big 10 season so far.
1: And don't forget that with Purdue having the record that they have in the conference, they're skewing those standings because they're giving a lot of those teams losses and and that's uh you know sometimes you know the old adage was win all your home games and put on the road and you'd win the Big 10 championship and so far, the Boilermakers don't have anything to do with that.
0: Yeah, we're crushing it. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll wrap up the Boiler Basketball Show. We're going to take a look at the weekly schedule, uh, some of the matchups we want to be watching, and uh, more. That's coming up next. You're listening to the Boiler Basketball Show, 101.7 The Hammer, 101.7 The Hammer. Welcome back to the Boiler Basketball Show, 101.7 The Hammer and 101.7TheHammer.com. Don't forget, we're also on that 101.7 Hammer mobile app, and you can tell your Alexa devices to play 101.7 the Hammer. I'm Jared Jessalad. It's got Jeff Julek over there. All right, uh, this is the time on the show, Jeff, where we like to go through the standings. We like to go through the schedule for the week and uh, just put you up on the uh, matchups you want to watch right now. Purdue at top of the Big Ten at 11-1. Fighting for that double buy here for that second spot. Illinois at 7-4. Rutgers at 7-4. They sit three and a half games behind Purdue. Then all of these teams are at 6-5 and, and four and a half games Off the lead, Northwestern, Maryland, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan State in Michigan, all at six and five. Penn State at five and six. Wisconsin at five and six. Ohio State at three and eight. Nebraska three and nine. And Minnesota one and ten. Ohio State, I thought, had that uh, comeback in them last night there.
1: Yeah, after uh, Holding got got tossed tossed by by, uh, John Higgins, uh, Mr. Travel. I tell you what, that was a. A uh, good effort by the Buckeyes, but again they just come up short, and it's a rough season there as they go to 500.
0: Yeah, that's uh, not great. 11-11, and uh, the tournament hopes uh, probably dashed at this point. Um, You know, Wisconsin down there at the bottom too. I don't know that they've got the tournament in them right now. Penn State's the interesting one at 14 and 8. They still got the net where it needs to be, and uh, not getting a buy in the Big Ten tournament might help them out because then they're going to get a day one matchup, and they're going to get an extra win in there, and that might be. I don't know, Jeff, that might be enough to help them get into the tournament this year, but uh, they're definitely a bubble team. Yeah, you know, they're a good team, and, and I, I did want to mention something.
1: I mean, Coach Go Shrew- ahead and mention Coach something. Coach Shrewsbury, just first class as we knew that, but he stayed and he went to the end of the line after the game was over, and he, after he got done talking to Matt, he worked his way through all the players, giving all the Boilermakers heartfelt hugs, including a, a tremendous amount of, of time he spent with Zach Eady, and then when he got to, to Mason, you know, he just said, you know, why'd you have to do that against me and you know he he just loves this purdue team i know that they they were the opponent that night but i tell you what that guy's his first class all the way and uh, i tell you what i will be rooting for uh, penn state to win every single game that they're playing that doesn't involve the boilermakers well
0: it's hard too when you spent so much time in the trenches with these guys you recruited some of these guys true you've true. bonded with those guys so it's a whole lot it's a whole lot easier for shrews to come in and tell you this is the best team the best player um, you know, in the country, best coach in the country, as opposed to, uh, you know, Kevin Willard losing his mind in a uh, press conference ahead of, uh, you know, Indiana trying to backhand a or Tom Izzo. You know, it's a little bit harder, but I don't think. Micah Shrewsbury is that kind of guy to begin with, anyway. No, so, he's, he's first um, yeah, one hundred percent first. I, I mean, I even saw somebody tweet out that uh, one of his bench players started chirping. I think Mason on the first uh, three or something. It actually, was, it was
1: on it? Ethan, when Ethan it was Morton Ethan it Morton hit through.
0: it, yeah. and then and Micah told him to cut it out. Yeah, I mean that's the. Uh, and that's the. Not every coach does it. Every coach, you know, there, there's yep. some coaches that are okay with you going up the court flexing and and uh, you having your own little celebrations and stuff. And there's others that say, "Shut up and play the game." Exactly. And uh, that's uh, that's the way Coach Shrewsbury is. All right. No Big Ten basketball tonight, Jeff. What are you going to do? Well, I tell you what. I uh, should head over to Attica and
1: see that uh, big uh, big time uh, sectional game with uh, Faith. I mean, that's a. Uh,
0: The uh, Lady Eagles are playing really well right now. That's your squad right there. All right. Well, then, let's get into Saturday. Uh, We've got uh, some action at noon. Michigan State is at Rutgers. uh, That game at noon on Fox. Uh, That is actually Madison Square Garden. Yeah, in the garden. Uh, I totally forgot about that, and I took Rutgers, because I'm like, I'm not betting against Rutgers at home on a Saturday. Yeah, hi. But, uh, no, this is a... uh, Look, I think they'd much rather be playing Minnesota in the Garden here than they would uh, Michigan State. But uh, an interesting matchup here. Uh, who do you got? Do you think Michigan State pulls that out? Oh, there? I do.
1: I think Michigan, you know, Michigan State beat them at home, and I and I think they're just a better
0: team than uh, Rutgers, and I think they'll get that win. Boy, I don't know. You got that New York crowd there, Rutgers. Yeah, uh, we'll see. Michigan State we'll travels. I'm only, I'm only hopping them up because I took them in media mania and I totally <laughs> forgot about that. Uh, not being in Jersey, Mike's uh, Illinois is at Iowa. Oh, this thing got saucy this oh, it week. Did taking the away orange, orange crush, crush using the tickets. boys and girls club to get themselves yeah. their tickets. Iowa found out about it and said nope. no, and then they threw a big fit. By the way, who are you taking in that battle? Is it is Iowa soft or is it uh, Illinois is in the wrong here? I take I oh in that battle. I'm sorry, I thought you meant the game. You know, I mean,
1: I, I think I think it's not right to use a, a charitable organization to try to get tickets, and so. So I think Iowa was well within their rights, and they did a uh, great job by donating all those tickets to the local Boys Club uh, there in uh, Iowa City. So I think Iowa won that battle, and I think they'll win the battle on the court as well because I think they'll beat Illinois.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Iowa at home. I mean, they just knocked down buckets, and uh, Illinois a little too inconsistent for my liking. I do like Dane Deja though. Yeah, I'm a he's, Dane he's playing Danger really fan. well. Terrence Shannon Jr.'s uh, got a lot of potential, but again, they just they they. Don't play consistently. Maryland is out in Minnesota. I won't even bother. 9 o'clock on BTN. Uh, but don't forget there is uh, a game down in Bloomington. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, that is uh, Purdue in Indiana. That's at 4 o'clock on ESPN. Mr.
1: Dick Vitale uh, getting his first look of the uh, Boilermakers firsthand on Saturday. So Maybe we can do fun. one of
0: those things where, like, Sage Steele shows up and Cuban shows up, and then they leave, like, halfway through the second <laughs> half again. <laughs> that can happen. Can we do something like that? Could have um, I tell you what, I'm looking forward to this game. I really, I, I just think you're going to see the. Border- you haven't done any trash talking on IU the entire game, the well, entire day. No, not one shot,
1: know, huh? I just think that that uh, the intensity that you saw the Boilermakers play with when they played Duke and they played Gonzaga and they just made all their shots. I think you're going to see something similar to that tomorrow. Um, I just think the Boilermakers they have the way to to shut down Shafana Hood by putting Morton on him, and I just think that that length bothers Jackson Davis. And you know he's going to have a six foot ten first on him, and, and and then he's going to get double teamed by Zach Eady, and it's going to be really tough for them to score, and uh, and so that that makes the, the burden on their other perimeter players, and so far they've not been great at doing that. So I think the Boilermakers play their game, they, they handle the crowd, they go down there, and I think they walk away with a comfortable victory.
0: Nice. You know, they invented the toothbrush in Bloomington. Did you know that? Really? Yeah, anywhere else it would have been named a teeth brush. <laughs> uh, On Sunday, <laughs> it's Ohio State and Michigan, <laughs> followed by Penn State, Nebraska, Northwestern, and Wisconsin. I don't even know what the under is, but give it to me now. For sure. Uh, they might not break 100 in that uh, It'll be 20 to, 20,
1: to tw- 20 to 19, to have to Let's
0: go to, uh, well, there's nothing on Monday. You're going to have to get through on Monday without Tuesday. We haven't
1: got any Friday or Monday games all of a sudden.
0: I know. Rutgers in Indiana, 630 on BTN on big, big Tuesday. Big, big game. Big, big game there. Minnesota and Illinois is also happening. How about Maryland and Michigan State? Uh, yeah, that'll good be fun. Good luck calling fouls in that one there. Yeah. The whistles are going to be uh, getting a workout in that one. That'll be physical in the Breslin Center. It will. I love it. Wednesday, let's get to Nebraska in Michigan is a snoozer. But Wisconsin and Penn State out of Bryce Jordan might have a little to offer you.
1: Well, I just I just hope that Wisconsin doesn't wear those god-awful oh, god awful ugly uniforms that they that? wear. I mean,
0: repurposed Maryland jerseys. Are,
1: uh, I, and I love uniforms. I, I I get people. I hear people all the time complain about Purdue's uniforms and those kind of things. I love uniforms. Yeah, take one look
0: at those and, and then you'll stop. Complaining yeah, that, about that's Purdue's the one uniform that I have looked at and
1: I said. Those are ugly. <laughs> no,
0: somebody needed fire over that. And then finally Thursday, it's Iowa at Purdue. Just give me the over now. Northwestern and Ohio State. Uh, Northwestern continuing to uh, battle to try to get that two. Okay, I will lose my mind if if they end up having the two seed. Man, that would just be something. Wouldn't
1: that be? Uh, wouldn't that be incredible? Uh, somebody
0: was telling you that they were a better team than people realized. You
1: did. You've been on Northwestern's uh, bandwagon all season, and well, I tell you what, Ohio thing, State's though. looking at another losing streak here. I mean, they could. Uh, you know, they, they lose uh, that game to uh, at home again, and it's going to get really rough for Mr. Holtman over there. And I'm looking forward to that Iowa Purdue game because, uh, you know, this will be a different challenge for uh, the Boilermakers. They're going to press us, they're going to make us take up some time coming across. I feel like we're so much better to, to handle the press now with, with the way our guards are playing, including Braden Smith, who had a fantastic game the other night. And then I just think that uh, the Boilermakers are going to put up a lot of points, and, uh, and I think they've got a good enough defense to slow Iowa down.
0: And that'll do it. That's the Boiler Basketball Show. We'll see you back here next week on 101.7 The Hammer, 101.7 The Hammer.